Hey guys, welcome to another exciting episode of True Crime on Easy Street. My name is Scott Wright and I am a mediocre journalist. I'm Kelly Turner. I'm still not a doctor. I'm Katie Givens and I'm not a journalist, doctor, or lawyer. <laughs> a lot of non-qualifications here. We're doing it anyway. Uh, we're coming to you live from Easy Street Performance Hall Bar and Grill. Damn it, Kelly. Now you've got me saying it backwards. <laughs> It's Easy Street. Yes, I'm so excited. Restaurant, I messed you up. Bar and Performance Hall. Thank you for our sponsor for uh, letting us do this. I don't know why, but here we are anyway. So we're going to do it again. And today we're going to talk about something that Kelly did her homework on and I did not. So I'm going to sit and listen and just go yes and no and wow, drink up, and uh, okay, interrupt you at inopportune times during your uh, performance today. So okay. Begin your presentation, please, ma'am. <laughs> I shall begin now. All right. All right. The hospital. The place where we put trust for our very lives in the hands of strangers. But they're not just strangers. They're the hardworking, dedicated staff who can be trusted, right? And unlike you, are doctors in many cases. <laughs> yeah. Well, we understand that sometimes things don't work out and even the the hospital staff, the doctors, I mean, they, they can't save every life. Things happen. But it's not due to the lack of trying, right? Yeah, sure. Agreed. The staff care about us and they work tirelessly to keep us well and safe. In most cases, yes, this is absolutely true. I mean, I have family of my own who work in the hospital. My dad is a wonderful nurse who cares for his patients. So it's decided. The hospital staff can be trusted. Yes. I think most of us trust uh, when we go to the hospital, if we have to, I think we feel like we get, especially in this area, a lot of good medical facilities within 50 miles of Cherokee County, Alabama. Yes. And accidents, accidents can happen. We understand that when we go into the hospital and we hope it doesn't happen to us or our loved one, but we know it is a possibility. The hospital has a protocol that is set into motion when an accident occurs, right? Yes. Okay, but what happens when it's not an accident? What happens when the person we so faithfully trust doesn't have our best interest at heart? What if, in fact, they have other plans for us? At the most vulnerable time in our lives, the predator strikes. I'm guessing you have someone in particular in mind. Oh, yes, I do. Now, this is not an attempt to soil the good name of our healthcare workers. Not at all. In fact... They'll get many shout-outs during this. We all know and love many people who've helped us in various ways, whether it's a hospital staff or going to a doctor's office or, you know, wherever you're, urgent care, anything like that. We all that. have a lot of good friends right here in the county who are, are medical professionals. We do, but... Joy Allen must- is a... She's one of our biggest fans, and she's a... She's a... What, an LPN? Right? Or no, she's no, a nurse she practitioner. Is a nurse practitioner. You're, nurse you're pra- just throwing out I, the I, wrong letters. I forget what things are. She's a nurse practitioner here. She's in, a nurse practitioner. In, in, in center. Yes. Okay. Yes. So big shout out to the Allens, Joy and Clint Allen. Joy being the CRMP nurse practitioner and Clint being a doctor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So many shout outs to them. But we've got to think about what happens on the extremely rare occasion that one of those workers is a cold-blooded killer. And that terrible reality was forced on those who knew Joseph Dewey Aiken. All right. And that's who we're going to talk about today. Some more information is coming soon. Absolutely do. 
The first medical term that you need to know before we move on with our story is a code blue. Now, for the Allens, we've already mentioned them. They know what a code blue is. My dad, we've mentioned him. He knows what this means. But for the rest of us who are not doctors or nurses, we need to know what this means. So the term code blue is a hospital emergency code used to describe the critical status of a patient. Hospital staff may call a code blue if a patient goes into cardiac arrest, has respiratory issues, or experiences any other medical emergency. It means that someone is experiencing a life-threatening medical emergency. All staff members near the location of the code may need to go to the patient. So they'll have some sort of protocol or, or things that they've, they have rehearsed or that they, they know as a policy right. and procedure. And so when this is called, they go into action. A lot of my information today is from murderpedia.org based on this case. I don't know. Katie, did you, for the trial, did you access this website? I actually used some Murderpedia in this, yes. Okay. It it had a lot of information. Yeah, and then I had to, you know, get on the logistia. (laughs) Exactly. Well, I had to also use uh, a little bit of Webster because we've got a lot of, yeah, I'm not a doctor. Right. So I, well, I'm learning all this now. I use a lot nothing. of terms. I took a break on this one. So I'm, I'm <laughs> learning with all of our listeners. Okay. Joseph Dewey Aiken was licensed as a nurse by the state of Georgia in 1983. He spent the next four years working in Atlanta at Grady Memorial Hospital. He went to work at Georgia Baptist Hospital and the now defunct Physicians and Surgeons Hospital before becoming a critical care nurse at North Fulton Regional Hospital in June of 1990. So his story begins in Georgia. In 1988, a woman named Bambi Plumley. now I may have mispronounced that and my apologies if I did, but Bambi Plumley was under Aiken's care when he worked at the Physicians and Surgeons Hospital I mentioned. She went to the hospital after experiencing what she thought was an allergic reaction to penicillin, which was given to her by her dentist. She says Aiken suggested to the emergency room doctor that he give her an injection and the doctor agreed. And she quickly went into cardiac arrest. But but Plumley survived. And so she's going to say at this time, Aiken, the doctor, and the hospital are now in a lawsuit with me. Malpractice. She did something wrong or either either by accident or on purpose, you did something wrong. So she says that Aiken allegedly either negligently or intentionally gave her the medication. Okay. This injection that he's insisting that she have. This was filed more than five months before Aiken went to work at North Fulton, which is... As, as you recall, where he ended up in June of 1990. Okay. So the, the issues with him start back in 1988. So, <clears throat> a subsequent examination of Plumley at Emory University Hospital found no underlying heart problems and no explanation for her cardiac arrest, other than she might have taken too much cold medicine. A forensic medical expert who later examined her records concluded that she was likely given epinephrine or a similar drug. What does that do? I have I don't know anything about drugs. And I'm going to scroll down here to not, my notes. Not legal epine- drugs. Epinephrine anyway. <laughs> is a hormone and a neurotransmitter. We have this 
in our body. Okay. Okay. But it's used to treat allergic reactions, to restore cardiac rhythm, and to control mucosal congestion, glaucoma, and asthma. If used inappropriately, it can lead to heart failure. It's what's in an EpiPen too, right? Mm -hmm. So if you don't need it. Right. But she. And you get it. She had an allergic reaction to penicillin. Also not a doctor here, but I would think that if somebody had an allergic reaction to something, the first thing you would grab would be an EpiPen. I but have I don't know. had an allergic reaction to okay. not necessarily penicillin, but mm-hmm. amoxicillin. So they went ahead and put into my chart. I mean, just it's, I'm not violating HIPAA. I'm talking about myself. Right. So um, they went ahead and just said penicillin as an allergy. But my allergic reaction came in the form of a full body rash. Okay. And I did take steroids and used topical cream. Mm-hmm. But never did I have an injection. Okay. Now, had I presented with shortness of breath? That's, yeah, the shortness of breath, I think, mm-hmm. is really- Because that means your throat's swelling up. Because I know <clears throat> Colin, my stepson, he has a, a nut allergy, tree nut allergy. And mm-hmm. when he ingests any of that, he gets the shortness of breath eventually. It's not immediate, but, and then- Right. We have to keep the EpiPens around the house. You okay. have to have them at school. Like it's mm-hmm. it's to, it's to clear because he'll get the rash first and it's fine. Mm-hmm. But the shortness of breath, the rash typically comes first, and then the anaphylaxis, yes. anaphylaxis, anaphylaxis, anaphylactic shock. I think is uh, mm, we're butchering this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, Dad. Joy, call us when you hear this and let Not us know how doctor. to pronounce that. Um, <clears throat> so that comes. After the rash, as I understand it, and that's just based on my own personal yeah, experience. Okay, just based on me viewing him. I so I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get us down this rabbit no, hole. It just okay. it just seemed that's... like I don't see yet what the 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 huh? the grounds for the lawsuit is, but I'm huh? guessing that uh, a pattern is going to start to develop here, and it becomes more and more clear as we go along. Well, Plumley eventually secured a seven hundred and fifty thousand dollar judgment against the hospital. But court files show that her suit against Aiken was dismissed because he wasn't properly served with legal papers before the statute of limitations for malpractice had expired. Mm, So he got off on a technicality. He inched out of that one. Now, what was he like as a nurse? By many accounts, and this is quoted directly from Murderpedia, by many accounts, Aiken was a dedicated top-notch nurse, a perfectionist, and stickler for detail. His specialty was working in the pressure cooker atmosphere of trauma units where he thrived. So you think about a trauma unit at a hospital. It's very busy. controlled chaos. Yes. Mm -hmm. We've all seen um, ER. Right. Right. Or what's what's the other? Grey's Anatomy. Grey's Anatomy is a big... I've not seen any of that, but <laughs> missing out. <laughs> a lot of people watch that. Correct. And I'm assuming that they show things like you said. Yeah, they always, I remember I watched stuff. ER at the time that it was on in the mid to late nineties all the way. I mean, it was on for 10 or 12 years and they always talked about the fact that there were trauma surgeons and ER doctors who they used as, uh, uh, that helped them write the scripts, advisors to make sure that they got things right and they were as realistic as possible. Mm-hmm. So in, in our uh, case, we when we discussed Eric Rudolph, you talked about the trauma doctors springing into action when the lady came in. Yeah, uh, Mrs. Lyons, mm-hmm. after one of those bombs had gone off and they saved 
saved her life and mm-hmm. and one of her eyes and and helped her sort of get back mm-hmm. to something of a normal So they life. those doctors need nurses with them mm-hmm. to do all of these surgeries. So apparently he thrived during the this type in this type of atmosphere. He was not liked by his coworkers at all. According to statements made during the investigation, he was loud. He he was he loved to brag about his skills as a nurse and his ability to revive patients, which is a weird and very suspicious thing to brag about once you start to know this story. Very specific. Why would you brag about yeah. your ability to revive patients? He was also openly gay and reportedly had once complained of being the target of a homophobic supervisor. Now, I can see how this would happen during this time. I mean, we still, unfortunately, struggle with this in 2021. Right. This is back in the 80s and the 90s. Yeah. So. A lot less tolerance. Exactly. So, I could, I could see how he would struggle around others. Workers, supervisors who may not agree with his lifestyle. Also, in the 80s and 90s, you know, we're still very much in the AIDS, HIV True. epidemic. And people automatically assumed, oh, you're gay. Well, you have AIDS. That's true. That's absolutely correct. So, this could possibly have been an issue for him. But what the co-workers are complaining about, they're not saying anything about his sexuality or his lifestyle they're talking about how he is difficult to work with he, he brags a lot he's loud he's, he's kind of a jerk annoying yes those are the things that they're talking about and some of these coworkers start to get very suspicious of him because they start realizing that he's around quite a bit when there's a code blue called remember the code blue we talked yeah. about a life-threatening situation, maybe cardiac arrest. Yes. So a lot of these nurses, well, not a lot, but but about four of his fellow nurses at North Fulton Regional Hospital started paying close attention to this. And they started compiling information and noticed that some of these patients who are entering into this code blue don't even have life-threatening illnesses. Okay. <laughs> they And so that's, causing great alarm for them. And then some of these patients who don't don't have a life-threatening illness don't survive. For some reason, they hit a code blue and they die and they can't figure out what the heck happened. Right. But he seems to be around. So they're getting very suspicious of him. Now, he bounces around to different hospitals in Georgia. And during a six-month period in 1990 when he worked at Roswell Hospital, there were 32 code blues. 20 more than the usual average of two per month. So he's there for six months. And in that six month time, 32 code blues. Okay. So they should have had 12 over six should months. Should have had, they had an 32. average of 12. They had 32. Okay. Of those 32 events, those code blues, Aiken was present at 22 of them. Hmm. You take out those 22 and you've about got your average. Okay. Of a six month period. Right. 22 times he's present during a code blue. So, yeah, eyebrows are getting raised. The Sandy Springs attorney who represented five of his victims in some of these civil suits said, when you graft it, it stuck up like Mount Everest. 
Oh, when, so you, you, dr- when you drew the, on a graph, mm-hmm, right, yes. The code blues. Yeah. You would, you know, 12, 10, 12, 32. Yeah. 12, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and, it, and those of you who, who can't see me. She's drawing it in the I air I drew right it in now, the everybody. air and my arm went really high, 32. <laughs> <laughs> the nurses also discovered that four different drugs that could cause sudden heart failure if injected in a patient were missing from crash carts in the intensive care unit where he worked. Now, I looked up, what is a crash cart? Mm -hmm. And I looked at um, Merrimack-Webster. Am I saying that? Merrimack? Sure. Whatever. I don't know. That's Webster.com. Say whatever you want. A crash cart is a rolling cart stocked with emergency medical equipment, supplies, and drugs for use by medical personnel, especially during efforts to resuscitate a patient experiencing cardiac arrest. Okay. So they've noticed he's around during 22 code blues in six months. We are also missing medications from these crash carts, medications that um, could cause some serious issues, heart issues, Including cardiac, cardiac issues. arrest, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. They searched his Cobb County home. Cobb County is in Georgia. Yeah, that's, that's uh, one of the counties in metro Atlanta, or in the metro Atlanta area. Mm-hmm. They searched his home. The police, of course, when they started having all of this, this is, you know, the stuff is starting to hit the fan, so to speak. They search his home, and they turn up a vial of one of those missing drugs, epinephrine. So it's back again. I'm beginning to get suspicious of this guy. Mm-hmm. Is anyone yes. else? <laughs> well, yeah. He was fired from North Fulton in December of 1990 for undisclosed reasons that hospital officials later said were unrelated to the investigation into suspicious deaths. So they're saying, we let this guy go, but it wasn't because of all of this. It's not nothing to see here. The only issue we had is that he claimed to have a four-year nursing degree, but he only has a two-year nursing degree. But, so he's claiming to have a four-year degree, which is going to get you to RN status, which right. you're going to have more responsibility. You can even be a manager. You can be over other nurses. Nobody checked that before they hired him? Well, uh, several hospitals didn't because he was also fired at two other hospitals because of that. Is the late Before Fulton. Before he was employed at this hospital, he was let go from two previous hospitals for the same thing. He can just keeps trying it, seeing if it'll stick somewhere. Yeah, it's but sticking. No, none of the hospitals want to admit that they made this huge mistake in hiring Ooh. this person because now their now their malpractice insurance is going to go through the roof. Mm-hmm. So they just say, uh, not if not part of the problem, not part of this problem, but we had to let him go. Yes. Okay. If you think about the different nursing degrees. A four-year nursing degree, as I said, that's RN status. That's going to give you more responsibility. You're going to be able to manage other nurses. A two-year degree could be anything from an associate in nursing to mm. LPN, a licensed practical nurse. I think I got that's that right. the That's the mistake that, that I made about earlier. Joy a minute ago. Okay. Yes. So Joy is- She's went to school for a lot longer than that. Yes, much so. higher. Joy did not appreciate yes. that yeah, one no. bit. No, she's going to she call me when she hears this. Mm-hmm. Yep. Joy, just break him over the coals. <laughs> but please give us a five-star rating before you do that. Okay. <laughs> He 
so Fulton County lets go of him because of the, the degree issue. So after leaving North Fulton Regional Hospital, Aiken goes to work for a firm that supplies temporary nurses to hospitals. This is how he's going to find his way into Alabama because they're going to use this agency to put him at Cooper Green Hospital in Birmingham, Alabama. We're back to Birmingham. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was also employed when he worked for this temp agency at Clayton General Hospital in Clayton County. That is also, as I understand it now, Southern Regional Medical Center. So he was employed there, but then found himself in Alabama at Cooper Green Hospital in Birmingham. At both of these facilities, Aiken was linked to suspicious code blues. Again, with the code blues. In 1991, in one incident at Cooper Green, the patient, Robert J. Price, age 32, he was a quadriplegic. He died. In the incident in which Aiken was arrested, um, he had um, lidocaine on him. Lidocaine is a local anesthetic that is used to numb an area of the body to help reduce pain or discomfort. So if you're going in for surgery, they might use this, or if they're going to insert a catheter or a breathing tube. It is also a drug that can induce an irregular heartbeat. This drug, lidocaine, which was found on Joseph Dewey Aiken, was found in Robert J. Price's body the 32-year-old quadriplegic who passed away. Okay. Another nurse who was working with Aiken at the time said when she came back from a lunch break, she saw Aiken walking out of Mr. Price's room. She attempted to enter the room to check on her patient, but he tried to prevent her from going into the room. And then the patient goes into cardiac arrest. He dies. He has... Huge levels of lidocaine in his system. Okay, I was going to... So, way too much lidocaine in his system. And they find lidocaine on Joseph Dewey Aiken. And that's where I stop because the whole rest of this is going to be in court. Okay. So, Katie, there you go. Robert Price had two times the lethal dose of lidocaine in him and four times the therapeutic dose in him. There was no reason to be giving him a lethal dose. So let's just say he had four times the right. amount of yeah. lidocaine he could have ever been reasonably okay. prescribed. So Joseph Dewey Aiken is charged with the murder of Robert J. Price. Finally. Yes. Right? I mean, isn't that what everybody else is thinking as well? Yes. That's <laughs> so what I'm thinking. Trial commences. Uh, his attorney's name is John Madison. And... The first piece of evidence they bring up is the amount of lidocaine that is in price. Mm-hmm. The defense comes back and says, well, the hospital billed price for that medication. They billed him for that amount of lidocaine. Oh, boy. Good Lord. I mean, just insult to injury. Yeah. You know? So, they either, you know, build, they either... If, they, if he's billed for that amount, it says that that amount had been ordered and that amount was correct. Right. Yeah. Or they billed him falsely for medication that he wasn't supposed to have. Okay, so I guess that's no longer a piece of evidence in this murder trial. So that, that, is, that is strike one. Then the defense points out there's lots of inconsistencies in nurse testimony and hospital records because one of the other main pieces of evidence was the nurse testimony. Kelly spoke about how she 
was she she was his nurse and right. she's trying to get back into his room to check on him after she has a break or lunch or wherever she's gone. And Aiken's like, no, no, you don't need to go. No, let's let's not go in there. And, you know, mm-hmm. blocking her from the room, trying to distract her, keep her away from the room because that's not suspicious. No, not yeah. at all. Sorry, nothing to see here. Mm-hmm. And. The a defense attorney also brought up that the cardiac arrest was really caused by a blocked ventilation tube, which, you know, just so happens would have happened when no one was in the room mm-hmm. and he's not allowing the nurse to go in the room and check on the patient to clear up a blocked ventilation tube. I almost feel like as I was researching this, that he is causing these code blues so that he can revive these patients. At, at some point. Well, you know, and then at some point, he's just committing murder. Right. He just gives up or he's an unsuccessful. Or one. he just uh, doesn't anyway. I mean, well, we've it, all it's heard so about, weird. We've all heard stories about the volunteer firefighters who set a fire in a vacant house so they can go and help put it out. I mean, we've, I've, I've heard cases about instances yeah. like well, that around and, the country. And Aiken is bragging about this, his mm-hmm. ability to revive these patients. He's stealing medication. It's it's just such a sick, sick game if this is, in fact, the game that he's playing. Or he's just a cold-blooded murderer. Yeah. Yeah. They uh, deliberate, the jury deliberates on this case for one hour, and he is found guilty. Okay. That's a good start. Yep. So he's convicted of murder. The end, right? Uh-oh. <laughs> I feel a twist. Nope. He's sentenced to life. He files an appeal. He files an appeal on nine separate grounds, okay, which are a lot, and I would bore you to go into some of them were that the you know the jury was discriminating that there was discrimination when they chose the jurors there was so he's blaming his defense team not as well as the prosecution mm-hmm. he it's like we've talked about before they're just trying to find mistakes that's what an appeal is if you find a mistake somewhere you you get them to look at the whole thing again there was one juror that in the beginning she was asked if she had a biased opinion against the defendant based on the media coverage prior to trial and she says yes they said can you put your opinion aside and do your job and she said probably not and they said would you feel comfortable if a person like you was on your own jury? If this was, were you on trial? She said, no, that's what I'm trying to say. And they left her on the jury they anyway? They left her on the jury. Didn't the defense have some, or the the prosecution, weren't they able to strike people that they didn't want on the that's, jury? That's usually how that goes, yes. Right? So. That seems like a problem. I, the, think, I think I'm on his side so far. That seems. <laughs> the appellate court uh, reverses the decision and demands a new trial for. Joseph Dewey Aiken. So he is tried again. Trial number two commences and the jury is unable unable to reach a verdict. It is a hung jury. So when that happens. So he walks? When that happens, they try him again. Okay. You gotta have a jury. You gotta have a verdict. Okay. You have guilty, not guilty. You gotta have something. He is tried for a third time. Two months before this trial is set to begin. Trial was set to begin in March of 1998. Now, let's go back. He committed this crime, allegedly, mm-hmm. in 1991. Okay. March, so it's not, seven March of years 91. Yes. All these trials. I mean, you know. And now the, we're into the same time frame as when the 
when Eric Rudolph was on the run, mm-hmm. or when he when he was, when he when took off on the run, yeah, ninety eight, committing his crimes. Yes, so we're in March of ninety eight. Two months before that trial set to begin, he pleads guilty to manslaughter. He takes a sentence uh, reduction, a plea, deal. a plea deal, a sentence reduction because he's only sentenced to fifteen years for manslaughter. Ninety eight and ninety eight. So during this time, about ten different civil cases are filed against him in the Metro Atlanta area. They were all settled together. Uh, his his insurance company, because I, I guess a nurse kind of works the same as a doctor. I don't really know. I know as attorneys, you have to have this as well. Uh, errors and omissions. Malpractice. Malpractice. Insurance. Yeah. So his insurance company ends up putting up a little more than a million dollars. And then the North Fulton Hospital themselves contributed a quote unquote substantial amount. It doesn't, I couldn't find any okay. dollar amount to say what they so he takes the plea. He does 15 years for manslaughter. The defendants or the, the victims uh, settle with the insurance company. The other victims, some victims in the Atlanta area. The ones who lived. The, the majority of that settlement money went to a small girl who was left severely brain damaged after a suspicious code blue mm-hmm. incident where I guess she was revived, but she had brain damage. She must have been under two, you know, the right. longer that you're you know, don't have oxygen to your brain, the yeah. worse that gets. Well, and the one thing that I did read about this, uh, I skimmed through some things and it said that it's it's really hard to convict somebody of medical malpractice because in a lot of cases, there's only two people in the room and one of them is the victim who is dead. And then you're basically just taking the nurse's word or the doctor or whoever, and you can always attribute it to health causes, health reasons, like you said earlier. So it's hard to pin it on them, right? Yeah, I mean, well, they spent seven years yeah, trying to. Trying to. And they still didn't get him for murder like they had originally wanted. So is he walking the street today? Well, after lots of research, I don't know. I assume so because he had a 15-year sentence. And it's we're past 15 years now. It's 2021. But well, yeah. Hopefully his license has been revoked if he's out there somewhere. Maybe he's not still... Uh, stealing medicine from crash carts and oh yeah his yeah his nurse's license code for, blues for sure I mean he's a felon I don't really think yeah. that that's going well for him from the research I did that was dated in the nineties it stated that they figured when he got out of Alabama prison he would be tried in Georgia they would have but I've found nothing to substantiate all, any claims that he ever got picked up in Georgia right all of the information and the, the research that you can do drops off. In the 90s. It does. So he did his time uh, and obviously was released. It really appears so. Well, at least we got him, or at least somebody got him out of the hospital where he was doing. Probably didn't get the the sentence that he deserved, based on what I've heard anyway. I mean, it sounds to me like he intentionally caused a lot a lot of deaths. Hmm. Um, so maybe, maybe uh, if he doesn't get what he deserves in this life, he'll get it in the next one. No idea. So this is the first time we've had a case in like this. I mean, we normally... Head scratcher. Yeah, we normally... Could tell you where they live. (laughs) (laughs) But we don't have that information right now. But we we are grateful that... If uh, anybody has seen him... There was some justice in this. Call us and let us know. Or or maybe not. Or not. Yeah, don't don't (laughs) tell him we're looking for him. Yeah, it's okay. We're good. We're good. All right, so that's our our case of... uh, 
Joseph Dewey Aiken. We have any new shout outs this week? Anybody else that we need to mention? We mentioned the Allens, right? Mm-hmm. Um, we mentioned my dad. And your dad. Nurse, yes. Who else? We know somebody shout else. Shout out to all the healthcare workers. Don't thank we? you. Everybody that we know and who knows us. Thank, thank you, you for, for what you do. Yes. Thank you for going to work and doing your job so diligently and not harming people. Yes. And this terrible year we've had where your job's been harder than ever, we appreciate you. That's off. Exactly. Thank you so much. Um, just there's so much love in this room right now for healthcare workers. Do you guys feel that? Do you I feel do. the love? I do. I, I, I try feel to. Something. I try to avoid the doctor's office at all costs, but I not because of who they are. I just really hate going. Yeah. Well, don't forget to like, rate, subscribe, leave us a review, follow us on all our social media channels. Uh, if you want a shout out, you've got to find us in person to tell mm. us you're listening because. Yes, because yeah, that, do it that way. And that's then, what sticks in our brains. We're just kidding. We're not hard to find. No, we're just kidding. You can comment on all our social media channels. We really enjoy the feedback. We really like interacting with you. And and it makes us better. I mean, I feel like I've gotten a lot of good advice from friends of ours and, and listeners who have told us things that have helped us over time make the show better. And, and Joy Allen mentioned her one last time. She mentioned to me last week, you guys are getting better every week. She had just listened to Hither and Yon at the time. Oh, she said, I can tell one. you guys are getting better at this. So if Hither you haven't heard of Hither and Yon, check that one out. Mm-hmm. What episode does Hither and Yon... Was it? Was it seven? Oh hell, we've already forgotten. It was seven. Because <laughs> it was number seven. It was, seven. it was three weeks ago. Yeah. We have so many episodes now. Yeah, I mean, we have recorded gosh. a bunch in the last few days. We're getting we, ready for summer vacation, so we're recording. Are we in double shows. digits now? Are we in double I digits? I think we will be this by the time will, this airs. This, oh, this one should be episode ten. I think so. <laughs> Exciting. <Yep. laughs> well, all right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Good night, everybody. <laughs> <laughs>